0: Hello and welcome to this brand new podcast, Hips and Dips, with me, Curtis Mansfield. Now I'm acutely aware this podcast might just be listened to by my nan, and if that's the case, so be it, and happy birthday nan. However, if anyone else happens to stumble across it, I think it'd really benefit you to get an understanding of my history, my story in sport, and my motivations behind this series of podcasts. But to briefly summarize we're going to be exploring injury prevention and rehabilitation both from a physical but also perhaps more importantly from a mental point of view and i'm really hoping to have these loose conversations regarding health and fitness as a whole and to kick things off i can't think of a better place to start than with today's guest charlotte fraser i'm on my way now to meet her for a social distance chat and i'm just going to see how things go we're going to talk about her experiences of injury, her motivations for continuing in sport and how her life has been affected by sport and injury within it. Now in preparation for today's interview I put together this brief mess of a CV from Charlotte's point of view and it makes a really fascinating read. She's currently a level 4 personal trainer, an F45 master trainer with qualifications in sports conditioning spin and nutrition amongst others but it's really when you dig back into her past which i think really reveals some interesting topics so she was once a national level champion cheerleader while studying at university she's also been a bikini and fitness model and athlete and then later on a judge and she competed and placed in competitions such as wbff pure elite fmc and body power and then was featured as a model as well as an author for publications such as Women's Health, The Metro, GQ, The Guardian and The Telegraph. But I think perhaps more interesting is Charlotte carries around this rather long injury list which includes herniated discs in her spine, torn ligaments, torn tendons and tendon damage, including tendonitis, uh, torn pectoral muscles And And on that note, I think it's time to finally meet up, exchange some small talk, and then finally share this platform with the woman of the hour, Miss Charlotte Fraser. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast.
1: Why, thank you.
0: (laughs) Um, I have to start this podcast by saying this is 2020, and it's now uh, November 2020, which means along the rest of the UK we're facing tighter restrictions, um, as a result of which we can't meet up inside, so we are meeting up outside, socially distanced, and why don't you tell everyone what we've just been up to?
1: (laughs) We have just gone for a jog, socially distanced jog, and done some calisthenics in the park, um, just to keep our fitness levels up because we're very sad about the gym's closing. So
0: it's true. Um, and I've got two observations from that, a little bit of fitness first of which is what everyone's gone about and the positive uh, mental gains we get from exercising. I feel the euphoria and, <laughs> and etc. Um, good hormones. But I've also noticed it's really cold. Yeah, Uh, it's no longer summer lockdown. It's no longer running around in vests. It is uh, really cold outside, and it's really cold now. Um, But yeah, so moving on, uh, (laughs) uh, I'm really much the opportunity to talk today actually about uh, your experience with your injuries um, and overcoming them. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you've got a great history with sort of a cheerleading career. Um, in a sporting sense, followed on by this sort of life and bodybuilding and then now into this uh, sort of final part of your journey. And that sounds a bit bookendish, doesn't it really? <laughs> but this latest part of your journey anyway, where you're now more into coaching and um, fitness instruction. Uh, but before we get on to that, I mean, I said it's 2020 and said it feels said almost irresponsible to have a conversation, never mind a podcast, where you don't start off by talking how you are Physically, socially, mentally, um, how your life's going with COVID, and I suppose we can sum that up by simply asking, "How are you?"
1: um, Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I I think I think like most people, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, So I'm riding that roller coaster, and I think you know, it brings a lot of changes, but also brings a lot of opportunities as well. Like this, this is a nice thing to do. And then, the way I've summed it up really is by saying that um, I think when I've been speaking to people, they've been saying how worried they are. But actually, I think worrying doesn't really have any benefit to you. Um, So what I've tried to change it into a different way is saying you're not really worried. You're just curious. You know, you're curious to see what is going to come next. You're curious to see if it's a job, what job you're gonna do, you're curious to see how your body's gonna change, if you've decided to take on a new workout program or, you know, and that gives you a bit more of a positive outlook on things when you think about it's something more exciting. 'Cause it could be it could be positive, it could be negative, but in my experience all things that have happened to me that have been negative have lead to or led to more positive experiences. So I'm just looking for the good times.
0: Yeah, I think it's really Uh, useful to think of a lockdown as like a mini-reset almost, Um, particularly that first lockdown. So obviously I was lucky enough to be in a position where I was still working on a day-to-day basis, like in work, but I still lost all my outside of work, social time, and um, my sport and fitness, all the stuff I really enjoy doing was all put on hold, but in its place I found new things, I found running, and I really had the opportunity to spend time by myself which is something we rarely do in society nowadays, just going for a run or going for a walk with your own thoughts. I mean, it's really nice just to sort of almost reset that um, all those thought processes and get back down to just the bare essence, I suppose, is really good.
1: Definitely, when everything's taken away and just left with yourself in a room, a lot of people I think have discovered that they, they don't actually enjoy themselves, you know, and they've had to find a way to to reconnect with themselves and you know, if you're in your headspace a lot and you're not liking the thoughts and processes that are going through your mind, you know, things like meditation have really, really helped me through this time. And, you know, at first I found it really difficult to meditate because my brain was thinking about 20 different things. But then it's just nice to focus on your breath and, and just concentrate on that and reconnect with your body. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are are realising if you take all of the outside, you know, things away, are they quite happy within their true essence? And, if not now, people are taking the opportunity to change things, which is really good.
0: Yeah, my um, I think my my school PE teacher would be proud to know I still remember the definitions for my PE classes, and the <laughs> definition of health is uh, a complete sense of mental, physical, and social well-being, uh, not merely the absence uh, of of illness or infirmity. And I think that's really interesting. This, that social aspect, so. How have you coped with that lack of social interaction, or have you found ways around it?
1: Um, I'm like one of those people that quite happily can be on my own, but I am quite a social butterfly so like any of my friends or anyone that knows me will know that I'm a hugger. You know, if you've been in my presence for a, a couple of seconds then you probably had a hug or ten. And Not now obviously. <laughs> exactly. Socially distanced. That's, that's where I struggle because I, you know, I'm a very affectionate person having that connection with people and being able to you know reach out to them if they're unhappy or lonely or you know going through difficult times which a lot of my friends have done um and not be able to just give them a hug and um that's probably what I've I've struggled the most with like my mum for instance I've not I've not really hugged her since February um because she's high risk um so that's a the main thing I think when it comes to that, but then there's also been other connections that have been made you know through um, zoom chats and like you know connecting with people that are further away and a lot of people have reached out who haven't spoken to me for years you know and it's so nice to hear from them and to check in and see how they're doing and people are having more like deeper conversations because you know it's just not on the surface level anymore yeah. and everyone's been affected so we've all got that common mm. ground so it's, it's quite unifying at the same
0: time. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I mean, you mentioned your mum there and I've been able to hug her for so long. And we, I mentioned briefly earlier about that whole, having like a mental reset. Mm. And I remember quite vividly being sat um, at the local gym, This was just after the first lockdown had finished. And I was sat in the hot tub after obviously a very hard gym session. <laughs> and I was looking out and the sun was setting in the distance. And I remember thinking, my life is now almost back to normal. Mm. Um, I've had the gym, I've made up some friends, I think mean, after this I was going to meet some friends for dinner and a drink or whatever, mm. um, obviously within the parameters of the time that were allowed. And I remember thinking, what can I take from that first lockdown and take it forward the rest of my life? And the things that really stood out were just really valuing that family time. Mm. I think it was important to realise that family time shouldn't just be like an afterthought so for, 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 for a while before that it was like oh well, you know you see your family for dinner or you see them for on the weekends or whatever your, your situation is and it's just kind of part of the fabric of life if you like whereas I made that really conscious effort to actually enjoy those conversations with my parents with my extended family and um, take that as a positive from obviously what is a massive negative in this whole period yeah. pandemic
1: there's definitely lots of positives that have come from this I think people are a lot closer or they they value the time that they spend with people um, like birthdays and things like that that we couldn't be a part of during the lockdown they're so, you know you feel so happy and grateful just to be able to, to attend those and be with your family and friends so yeah, lots okay. of positives going forwards
0: Well, I don't want to dwell too much on um, Covid because happened, I think we've already wasted so many minutes on it already um, and I was really hoping to have a conversation for the first time in, in, uh, in weeks where it hasn't been dominated by Biden <laughs> or Trump <laughs> or COVID or Boris Johnson or anything like that. Um, Politics. and it's really nice to have a conversation. I think that's going to be hopefully quite, uh, different to what I said it was in the media at the moment. And just really talk about, um, your life, your injuries, your recovery, um, and how you've gone about that from, I said, from a physical and a mental uh, perspective, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, with that in mind, I want to start off by, we're going to talk about your first injury and that transition between, if you like, Sport 1 and Sport 2, but before we can do that, I think we've really got to understand the athlete you were in that Sport 1, so obviously cheerleading was a sport of choice, yep. so how did you get into cheerleading, why cheerleading, um, yeah, just open question. Actually,
1: <laughs> okay. So um, I don't know why to to start you off with initially. I just I just assumed, and it was just in my mind that I would go to university and I would be a cheerleader, um, and I studied costume design for film and theatre, um, and which wasn't a very sports university, uh, the University of Arts London, and. Yeah, I just decided. I was like, I'm going to be a cheerleader. This is what you do when you go to university. So Freshers' Fair came. I was running late from being at work and run in and was like, where's the cheerleading stand? And all the stalls were shutting down. And they said, oh, it's by the footballers stand. So I walked over to them and I was just like, where's the cheerleading stand? They just flipped over this big sheet of paper. And on the back of it, it had a list of names. And then I later found out all those names had like stars next to them. And I found out later that meant if you were hot or not, which a lot of my um, feminists out there will be kicking off about. But at the time, that's what they were doing. So I got invited for a tryout, which actually was pretty much a date with the whole football team.
0: So are men? Aren't men terrible? Ugh.
1: well, I I don't (laughs) want to judge. But... So um, they yeah I showed up and um, which was pretty much a date at a bowling alley and where they quizzed me on if I ate beef burgers or not and then they were like oh yeah well then you're not healthy so you can't be a cheerleader and I was like what and then at the end of it they turned around and they were saying um, they actually wasn't going to do it at all which I returned by saying uh, this is happening
0: so it could have been the end of the cheerleading story it could have right been there. the end
1: yeah that could have been it they were just basically did it as one massive prank. Which actually the the laugh was on them at the end because um, I took one of the footballers and forced him to you know find out how to set up a a society or sport and we went to the SU. They gave us 150 quid. With that 150 quid, I managed to recruit eight people. Um, we had the first male cheerleader as well, and um, and he's now competing at worlds and coaching the same team. We called ourselves the Royals after. The royal family as we were artists and they commissioned us to you know entertain them and create mm-hmm. art for them so that's what we were doing and our colors were the royal colors so um yeah we we started with eight people and by the end of it we had 75 cheerleaders um, we were national champions within two years um, we competed internationally and we were the most successful sports team in the history of the university and I think we still hold that title today. We had 150 wow. pounds in the bank when we started, and we ended up with over 12 grand in sponsorship deals. So through that, I found my fashion and love of sport and everything.
0: Well, yeah, um, I would just like to mention for those seen at home, um, it is actually bonfire night this week. So the sound <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're coming if it's coming through on the recording, but the sound of explosions and bangs, etc., um, is fireworks. Uh, this is being filmed in Croydon, but don't worry, it's <laughs> not, uh, we're not all caught up in some sort of- Gang
1: warfare. Uh, gang
0: warfare, exactly. This is very much a uh, family-friendly firework display in the distance. But if you're hearing about that, that's what that is. But no, it's interesting. So you talk about uh, cheerleading, and it seemed like A, you said it might not have got started before it did. Mm-hmm. You really took it forward yourself, it was really good. Um, and obviously, you're national champions. So this wasn't just like a, just a pastime or purely a social endeavor. This was very much a performance-based sport as well. Mm-hmm. Was it an, an option for you potentially at the time to have this as a career? Did you feel like you could actually do this full time? I, I did, is it something that yeah. was available to you? It, would that have been like in this country or abroad, or, um, well, or I those, did those just, doors opening for you? as what I'm sort of. Yeah,
1: getting. yeah. I, I got my my coaching qualifications. Like it is a legitimate job here. Um, we used to compete in front of three thousand people, um, and it is growing in the UK. And that was a long time ago. So I'm sure it's even more people now. And um, but yeah, I actually I actually had a, a coaching career in it. I started coaching straight away whilst I was at university started coaching other schools Um, and I loved just how you could take, it didn't matter if it went to an affluent school or a poorer school, it could be even in the same borough of London and you would just see these girls and guys who couldn't work together at the beginning come together and find their strengths within themselves and then work together and it was really, really rewarding, I loved it, you know, and some of my guys have all got their coaching qualifications and they've gone on to do it and they still do it to this day.
0: That's amazing. Um, and i say that's a really good example of, we spoke before about sort of the health and the social, mental, physical, all coming together in one, mm. um, and yeah, but that wasn't your first love. I'm right in thinking your first love was gymnastics.
1: Yeah, I, I love gymnastics. I don't think I was ever really any good at it. I love teaching it. I used to have like a handstand club when I was like seven, okay. and taught all the girls around the block how to do handstands, and that was probably my first. But
0: that must have provided the base for went on to do, be cheerleading. For anyone who sat at home and is thinking of cheerleading as uh, pom-poms and dancing on the side of a uh, basketball game or in some high school drama or some horror movie where the cheerleader always gets killed <laughs> first, etc. Uh, this is not what we're talking about here we're talking about a real sport um very closely linked to gymnastics well i've seen it live a few times and women are getting thrown and men obviously are getting thrown uh sort of i don't know is it really right, fair to say like over 10 foot in the air yeah more than that yeah coming down like being caught toss. um it's very impressive very demanding mm-hmm. so as a physical entity it's obviously very impressive you reach those heights uh but, so the reason you're on this show isn't to talk about your physical achievements, it's actually to talk about the, the injuries and the things that actually put a delay on that physical achievement. So, uh, so talk a little about that injury that happened to you and how it happened, I believe it's uh, it was damage to the L4 and L5 parts mm-hmm. of your spine, yeah? So the lumbar region of your spine. That's it. Um, now, you don't, I don't think you have to be a, a back specialist or a doctor or have a degree in anatomy to understand. If any part of your spine isn't where it should be, it's not a really good thing. It's so, let's talk through that then, please.
1: Um, so I came to the end of my university degree, had to eventually leave, kicking and screaming. Um, and you can go to other cheerleading squads, and um, you have to do this thing called tryouts. So you do a full day where you do tumbling, which is what you call backflips and things like that. Um, You do a dance segment, which they will teach you a dance routine and you have to learn it and pick it up and then they'll look at your technique and everything. There's jumps, um, which you have to do, like a toe touch jump. So imagine touching your toes up in the middle of the air or doing a box split in the middle of the air, um, repeated like three or four times in a row. And it's all done on a sprung floor in this really cool gym called East London Gym. Um... And then yeah, then there's a stunting element where you throw the people up in the air. So there's one stunt called a basket toss and there's four of you on the base and you're the ones that do the lifting and I'm a base. And you have the people that go on top which are the flyers. And imagine if you threw up a pencil, it stays nice and tight together, it doesn't flop all over the place. And that's what you want from your flyer, you want them to stay nice and tight and not move too much unless they're doing like a stunt or a trick. But um, the girl that we had flying sadly hadn't flown in about three years and she was very, very out of practice. And you want her to be like a, p- a plank of wood, basically, when she goes up. But as she came down, you could see that she was falling very heavy, very dead weight and very badly. And my training was always when you see a flyer coming down is to step forwards and all the other girls on the base step back.
0: So I think, I think I'd have stepped back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get out of the way. <laughs> Not yeah, you, you wouldn't have made themselves. the cut. <laughs> no,
1: no. So yeah, you need to you need to step in and you need to protect that that person's head because obviously cheerleading is the most dangerous sport you can do it has the highest injury 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 rates. So we you know I stepped yeah, in. That, that's
0: true, isn't it? I think um, I think I read somewhere in a in America it's the it's, it's the sport with the highest injury rate, particularly yeah. for females at like any sport. Yeah, um, you know it's higher than. Uh, you know, like American football, I think it's higher than uh, gymnastics and weightlifting, and all these sort of mm-hmm. sports associated with high injury rates. And I think gymnastics is the highest, and it's for this reason, because basically you're throwing sort of young women, generally, high in the air, and then expecting other young women, generally, to catch them with no incident. So yeah, it's got really high injury rates. I certainly believe that.
1: There's a lot of faith and trust that goes in your, like, your cheerleading squad you get very close to, because you're literally holding their life in your hands and this poor girl like was coming down very badly so i just went like to grab her head because i thought you know the the main precious part of her is her head she can break her legs and they will heal break her head not so much so i grabbed her head and her body went floppy to the other side which made my spine completely twist and um i felt it at the time and it made that kind of sound a squishy kind of crunchy sound um as you can imagine Um, But because I was in the the mind frame of I need to finish this tryout, I need to, like, you know, champion on. And in cheerleading you smile, like, all the way through the workout. Whether you're in pain, What doesn't matter. I got kicked in the face once during a competition. My flyer was freaking out because she kicked me in the face. And I was just smiling the whole time, like, carry on, don't worry. Just smiling through my teeth, like, bleeding through my nose. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, And and yeah like a quarter, carried on did all the whole routine and everything got got in um but then i went was doing a jiu-jitsu competition in copenhagen at the time so i was getting ready for that and i just started doing jiu-jitsu uh so i did a four-hour session of jiu-jitsu and during that session my whole back went into spasm and it just froze my body just said enough and completely like seized up um and luckily there was a guy there who's this um great speaker and he was saying like i've learned how to break people um, his name's brad You should go check him out um he's like i've learned how to break people so i've learned how to put them back together again he's like do you want me to try to like release some of the tension he cracked the top of my back which just felt absolutely amazing um, but he was like i'm not going to touch the lower back like lower part of your back because that is completely there's something wrong there like really badly wrong and he was right um so after seeing my spinal surgeon and having two years of sciatic nerve pain which is compared to, like, being on, you know, there's childbirth and there's sciatic nerve pain, um, and not being able to bend without having my legs collapse underneath me. I had to find another way. So that kind of brings us up to date with the injury.
0: I see. That's a spine (laughs) injury. Yeah, okay. Um, Well, a couple of things there. Firstly, let's make a note to talk about um, your martial arts experience as well, because that wasn't... uh, I wasn't aware of that so we'll come back to that later (laughs) but um also just that thought I think how many how many sports people do you know who have used the quote oh it felt fine at the time yeah until I played on or uh, I remember like as a child I hurt my shoulder I think playing rugby and it hurt a little bit and then I went and did like a long swimming session with my swimming club and then the next day I was in agony it was like "Oh, I was fine until I did the swimming
1: yeah
0: um so yeah I think uh I don't have to talk to a Fizzy about that, but I'm pretty sure it must be like such a common way of getting serious injuries, just that multiple doing getting an getting injury and then making it worse and compounding it, etc. Yeah. Um but right, so yeah, so we've had this injury. Your spine is uh let use the term knackered. Should we go with that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't the, I don't know what the medical term is, so let's go with knackered. Um it's busted. It's pretty so busted. So I think at that point you're told pretty much shear is not an option an option for you anymore. Um and I think I think we'll come back to that later as well. The idea that it was the thing is very absolute for you that injury, and um, we'll talk about that a bit later. But for, let's just move on to what happened after injury. So you transitioned into uh, bodybuilding, mm-hmm. so sort of weightlifting, and uh, sort of bikini modelling and bikini fitness, etc. Um, which for me sounds like quite a leap. Um, I think it's a uh, certainly. F- physique wise it seems quite different to go from what you think of sort of as a cheerleader, um, sort of uh, sort of a fairly very lean athlete to that obviously bikini models also very lean but in a different sense obviously you've got much higher muscle mass. Um, why why on earth did you choose bodybuilding? Um, <laughs> where did that come from and what were the benefits and the negatives to moving into that industry?
1: Yeah, I have to say again it was one of those things it's like I wake up and I decide that I'm gonna do something and then I just and then I just do it until, you know, I can't do it anymore and, and when it came to um I was just in the gym and I needed to find a sport that didn't depend on anybody else. Like I couldn't in cheerleading if I if I've got a bad back and my back goes during a stunt, I could injure and risk my whole team. So I couldn't, I couldn't be part of cheerleading anymore and if I couldn't compete and I couldn't practice then it would be just torture to watch it and be, you know, still in that world. So I had to find a sport that I could compete at and that I could do solo and um, I chose bodybuilding and bikini and I am not a bikini person, like when you talk about the typical body of a cheerleader or the typical body of anything, like I don't fit in any of those categories, I'm like five foot nine and a half very tall like I stood out at cheerleading like I'm I've always been strong um so like weightlifting came quite natural to me and it was quite uh therapeutic as well because you know if you're if you're struggling in any aspect of your life to be able to throw a bunch of weight around and, and shift that weight and go achieve small things you know that you didn't realize you could do makes every other day activities much easier as well and it also took the pain away. I was in in constant pain for a long time so yeah for me it was just I just decided I knew that I I saw WBFF and I thought you know it's so glamorous it combined all the things the elements that I loved the competing the it was so glamorous on stage love the shoes high heels and the feathers and everything that you could dress up and my costume design degree came in handy with that um, and performance, I did performance as well whilst I was at, at college, so to be back on stage again was, it just seemed a bit of a combination.
0: Yeah, so just talk about that, because you were a national champion cheerleader, so you weren't just some amateur um, cheerleading at the weekends, a bit of a laugh. You were a performance cheerleader. Yeah, trained six times. Uh, and you then, tra- well, six times a week, well there yeah. you go then. And then you then transitioned into, um, as I said, this bodybuilding. And we're not talking about that, that person you see down in the gym who's just taking loads of creatine in the corner <laughs> and like they're really big in the mirror and they have selfies, etc. We're talking about you're genuinely a, a competition uh, bodybuilder, bikini model. Uh, so, for those who, who are listening, including myself, who are uneducated in the field of bodybuilding, talk about those achievements you had and what actually entails being a competitive bodybuilder. Because I believe, I mean, it took you around the world, right? You took you to Vegas. Right. Yeah,
1: you can do all around the world. They have one in Barbados as well. Um, there's one in Barcelona now. There's a lot more options now than when I first started. Um, but I basically... I started off with the WBFF, which is one of the most, like, biggest shows you could do. And... And you placed there, right? Yeah, I came I came top ten in each category. So I did two categories because I didn't even know which one I was going to fit in. Um, and there was, like, so many athletes. And the first one was, like, fitness, which is where you have more defined six-pack, and then bikinis, which is a bit more of a softer look. But bikini suits more uh, smaller girls that put on a bit of muscle, and fitness is kind of the next level from that. Um, So I didn't know really where I fit. So I did both, and it was a great experience. Like, you train... You can train... I train twice a day for about three hours, and...
0: So how long after your injury was this?
1: So... This was probably maybe a year after my injury. So and within me, a year,
0: you've gone from national level cheerleader yeah. to all, would you could be classed as a semi-pro lifting yeah. career. You earn a living, well not a full living, but you earn money doing it, mm-hmm. traveling around the world, top 10 finishes in these major competitions. So now that's ahead of transition. There aren't many <laughs> athletes who can boast going from one sport to another and excelling so quickly in both particularly those who've had the sort of injury you've had, because you talk about the benefits that you got from the weightlifting, but surely, I imagine it would have been easier to do it if you had a full working body, right? Oh, there not There's no benefit to not being able to use your back properly when it comes to lifting weight and no. uh, training and so on, so.
1: I look so back yeah. now and I was doing like 290 hip thrusts and um, like 500 kilo leg presses. My spinal surgeon said I could leg press so i was like okay <laughs> but i can't squat like i can squat for, like 70 kilos so on my competition when i was actually on the stage i was like 50 57 kilos something like that um and my naturally sit at 75 so i've never seen my body go from like what it did in 16 weeks That's how long it took but it was you know, dedicated meal prep, and if my meal prep said that I had to have 100 grams of chicken and all I had was turkey, I went out to the shops and got chicken,
0: you know, and, and really like stuck single, to the diet. Single-minded.
1: Yeah, like, if fun. I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. And
0: I mean, I want, I want to go into more detail about your other competitions and your other achievements in that sport, but should we read into at all the fact the two sports you chose to excel in both involved judges? Is there anything in that? Is that just a complete coincidence? Because um, like, I look at my own sports, and generally, they've all had done a single sport where it's been left out to someone else to decide. It's either been who can score the most goals, who can score the most tries, who can swim a length of the pool the quickest, everything's down to either a number of goals or a time. Whereas both of your sports involve other people sitting there and giving you a score. I assume that's how chill works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're giving a score. Um, so there's a lot of uh, opinion-based and drama in that sense. Is that a complete coincidence? Do you know
1: what? That's so interesting that you say that because I've never, I haven't even really thought about that. But then when we we were talking before about you know women's sports and how most sports are designed by men and things, and if you think about like ballroom dancing, ice skating, um, you know, like any type of form of dance, gymnastics, uh, cheerleading, you know, bikini competitive, they're all judged. You know it's all stepping on
0: yeah but performance you can say that
1: performance based
0: perhaps yeah maybe you say that both ways I mean you can go like some of the oldest sports in uh, in male the male sports in arena will involve you know boxing wrestling which are all judged mm. um you know classic women's sports like hockey and netball uh, and softball and baseball all these sports are uh, again score based so I think it goes both ways but no, it is interesting said in your example you have chosen those I think it was I mean, what, what's, what's next for you? Is it uh, the boxing career? <laughs> I am definitely. <laughs> okay, so
1: I did try kickboxing and I went up with. Um, she was like the world champion at the time and I was sparring I assume, with I her. She won, right? <laughs> no, no, she literally gave me one kick, mix, mix, bleh, missed the pad. I can't, kind of, like, thinking about it, it sends shudders down me. Missed the pad and I could feel the kick in my other leg like it literally ricocheted through one leg to the other and I thought this is not the sport for me like I loved the conditioning that element of it was great but no like I was like I'm not I'm definitely a lover not a fighter and I think for me it's a performance element and like um the guys I started posing classes because people would start asking me you know can you can you teach me how you pose um so yeah Like, one time I was down uh, backstage and I was doing my walk and practicing, so if if you haven't competed or you don't know anything about competing, you wear a bikini, you're all tanned up, like ten shades darker than natural, (laughs) that anyone should naturally be, (laughs) just because it brings out more definition in your body. You're dehydrated because it takes all the water out and shows more definition as well, so you probably have a shot of vodka or some red wine or something. Some people do uh, water depletion. Um, where they mi- manipulate their water maybe a week beforehand where they drink a b- bunch of water up to 7 litres which can be very dangerous Must um, be
0: similarities to uh, boxing and yeah. MMA and all yeah. those, those weight based sports
1: Yeah, so it's very extreme on your body um, I, d- I wouldn't classify it as healthy um, but then you get you know you step on stage and then you're backstage and you're actually quite like in like a zombie mode you're in automatic mode you've been practising you're posing and you have to do these classes in order to learn how to stand. Anyone that spends hours on their body in the gym and then steps on stage without doing posing classes is probably not gonna do very well. Um, because it's completely unnatural the way you hold yourself on stage. Like every, every aspect of it, um, even the way you breathe is completely different. So I was there walking and a guy came up to me and, and he grabbed his, his coach along and the coach turned around to him and he said, this is how you need to walk to a guy (laughs) so it's like it's I think it's the performance side of it and it's been like when I was a cheerleader I got to show my strengths off but I got to you know perform with everybody else and it's the same when you get on stage it's like a a totally different persona
0: I feel like um we're potentially going down an alleyway where there's so much to talk about (laughs) um I mean we can talk about the mental health uh, positivity and, more importantly, negativity can be associated with this sort of competition. Definitely. Um, particularly with young women and young men, the, maybe perhaps the pressures it puts on you to be at a certain level. Mm. And I think that's very revealing what you said there about how when people ha- walk on stage and have these photos taken or have these photo shoots, they're not in a healthy place. They're, no. in, a, they're in a place where their body is absolutely depleted of water. Um, uh, they're in absolute bits physically. I mean, if you took a blood sample from a lot of them, you'd be alarmed. I think any doctor would be concerned if these people walked into the hospital. Um, so, it, I mean, and that's a whole other topic and maybe one we should talk about in more depth for another day. Uh, what I do really want to talk about um, before we move on to that next injury, is just really summarize all your achievements in that sport. So you mentioned WBFF, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I competed at as many shows as I could. So I did. I I got sick quite um, after my first show, Um my creatine levels were off the charts. And they said they had to compare them to Olympic athletes. So I took a break. But then when I came back, I competed at like pure elite. I pe- uh, competed at Body Power, won lots of um, awards there, and got like um, like photo shoots and things like that. And then I competed at FMC and. Um, I got on so well with the team there that they actually hired me as a judge, um, and I became their lead po- posing coach and judge for them. Um, so I actually got to go on the other side of the table, which was far more enjoyable because I get to do all the fun parts and fun elements of being on stage and interacting with all the
0: athletes. So after um, a lifetime of being judged, yeah, <laughs> exactly, I got to be on the other
1: <laughs> side of it. Um, it so, but I have to dispel like a myth that you know all these bodybuilders the men and the women all like love themselves and think that they're perfect or you know that they're happy with themselves i mean some are but um majority of them are working on themselves for a reason they spend hours in the gym for a reason and things like body dysmorphia eating disorders they can either be triggered by it or they can be you know like come from that so yeah there's, there's loads of stuff we could talk about on another time. Yeah, and I think it's definitely, definitely
0: worth saving that because I think there's, there's a whole podcast on its own talking about uh, the mental health aspects uh, of this sport and their dangers in the sport related to health also linked to MMA and boxing, and so there's a whole other can of worms. So let's, let's save that. Um, so, now so, we've, so we've spoken about your first sporting love um, or for sporting career, if you like, in gymnastics, that major injury setback reinventing yourself in your second sport. Um, So let's talk about the end of your, or let's talk about the, let's say the roadblock in your second. So I don't think you are finished necessarily with bodybuilding. I think there could be a revival at some point, I'm not sure, but for this roadblock, that's put a dent in that life. Let's talk a bit about that if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I haven't really spoken to anybody about it, to be honest, like only my close friends have actually heard the full story. Well, I don't Um, feel you have
0: to read it now, we can can bypass it, you can give uh, a a short answer uh, if you wish.
1: I can give a a short summary, Um, so after years and years and years of wanting a uh, breast augmentation surgery, um, I thought about it for about four years, like researching the surgeons and everything and the procedures that I wanted, and when you've competed and got your body fat to as low as I have, Um, All the girls listening to this will know that the first place to lose it is, you know, from the girls. So the gals, the gals gals are gone. (laughs) And I was quite I was very happy in myself. Like I was very happy in my body for the first time in a long time. Um, You know, I was in a stable career and, you know, I was making um, good money as a posing coach. And, um, you know, from all my sponsorship deals and everything at the time. So I just thought this is the, the right time to do it. And um, sad to say, had the surgery all went well, but sadly within three weeks I'd got an infection and had to have another surgery. And then I had multiple surgeries after that, within a very short space of time, and was hospitalized for about a good three months, um, where I was like back and forth, back and forth from hospital, um, because I didn't because I was quite in tune with my body, I was able to know when I wasn't right. And I would say, out of all of this, if you take anything from this, is to listen to your body. If I'd listened to my body when I first injured my spine, you know, I might have been in a better position and not been in pain for as long. And if I hadn't listened to my my body and, and really fought um, for my health when I got sick, I don't think I would be here now, speaking to you. Because, um, yeah, sadly I went to the point of sepsis. Um which was very, very scary and, you know, eventually they had to take away one of my breasts um, or the, most of the tissue from my breast, and I was just left with a big old pirate scar. Um, so I was always adamant that I was just going to get, you know, have another surgery, get fixed and be on my merry way, but life doesn't really go that way. So sadly it's still not fixed and I wanted to sort of save my story for a happy ending. I did meet meet an awesome ninety year old called Beryl, who sat opposite <laughs> me. Who was like, "Charlotte, I will give you those antibiotics that you need. I've got some good stuff in my fridge, and if you need it, you call me, and I'll give it to you." So <laughs> I met some, uh, you know, good friends um, during that time, and I just think you you do get to see what your body is capable of, and you do, you know, realize what you have, and your health is just everything. So. I wanted to be in a better position to share my story and say, you know. But there's a, you know, a silver lining. I do have to say one thing, that it's, it doesn't matter what you look like, um, it is it is about how you feel and people are drawn to you, scars and all.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's a great message, I think, firstly I have to say just thank you for being brave and sharing that story, um, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I suppose just to pry a little bit more on uh, the start of that story you said um you really wanted that breast augmentation you really felt happy and comfortable having it mm. um now the dust has settled on the whole experience do you still think you made the right obviously you wouldn't have predicted this outcome but you still think you made the right decision wanting that do you feel now you're in a different mental state actually you never needed it in the first place and you felt it wasn't I mean, has how, your opinion on that surgery changed? You know, uh, now time has passed.
1: I had to say, like when I was walking down the street carrying bags of my blood in like drains that were hanging out on my body, I was like, hmm. I was all right, <laughs> you know. I was I was good. It was fine. Like, yeah. You know, you do think hindsight is a beautiful thing, but there was also a moment where I was standing in the Victoria Secret changing room trying on bras I had didn't have four inches of padding in them and I put on a bra and I was like oh my god this is what it's meant to feel like <laughs> and I felt so good and I was just like I felt I mean it sounds silly but I felt complete like the idea that I have in my head of how I look was complete like I could actually I guess it's like if anyone's seen the matrix and you know that's the image of yourself that you create That would have been my avatar. That would have been me, you know, completed. And when I didn't have that, because I've padded since I was, like, 15, and my costume uh, degree came in handy with that, because nobody even noticed when I had the surgery. No one noticed. Like, even close family and friends that knew I was getting it done were like, oh, I hear you're getting, you know, your surgery or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I've had it done. And they're like, oh, really? You -hmm. know? Um, So, yeah, it was definitely for me. It wasn't for anyone else. And... You know people who I was close to at the time were like, "Oh, don't get it, you don't need it um and it was actually my mum that said to me that my nan, if she could have had had it, she would have got it, and I thought you know that that kind of sealed it for me that and the fact that I'd wanted it for so long and I'd researched it for so long so
0: i'm i mean i'm 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 trying to act like a mature twenty five year old <laughs> uh with a degree and a proper job and I'm I'm a real grown up but I'm very mature and the moment you mentioned trying on bras and Victoria's Secret I'm, I'm gone uh, <laughs> I and I've lost it. all my confidence I don't want to say <laughs> I feel like the wind's gonna out my sails mm. um, and I, I completely forgot what we're talking about um, so I don't know if you want to carry on the interview <laughs> maybe you interview me <laughs> uh, no right anyway so yeah so okay so that's the end of that so that second phase um Obviously, at least momentarily putting a pause on what was a very successful time in mm. um, in this bodybuilding world, Would you do you reckon you'd have had the longevity in that sport to still be doing it now if it wasn't for this, at the same level? Or do you think you it was more of a short-term goal, you wanted to achieve what you achieved and then get out anyway, or do you, did you think you could still be on that stage today, uh, obviously not in COVID times, if it wasn't for COVID on that stage today, uh, happily doing what you were doing before?
1: I think it gives you opportunities, like opens more opportunities. Like, I probably would have definitely more Instagram followers,
0: <laughs> but
1: um you know that's not the be-all and end-all of everything. But it would be more. It's not. It's
0: not the be-all end all, uh, so <laughs> and end-all. But just remind everyone. Go follow me. See Fraser
1: <laughs> fit. Um, but yeah, I I would have to say that it would be, you know, more opportunities, and I was already leading into those when it all happened, and it didn't stop me. Like. I started doing the retreats and, you know, linking up with businesses and companies, but it just would have given me um a wider audience. So I started up my, my retreats business and I just carried on.
0: Okay, so regardless of whether your time was cut short, um or whether it had been natural transition regardless, um that's the end of this call at stage two. <laughs> I don't know what we are now. Yeah, we're on stage two. That's yeah. <laughs> end of stage two of your sporting life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now let's move on to stage three. Um, not free off free. Hopefully free off <laughs> many more. But uh, this this later stage where you're now no longer a competitive athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you're involved in uh, personal and sort of group training. You're involved in. Uh, various uh, sort of wellness classes and talk about that talk about what you've been doing since obviously surgery and what you're doing and a little bit about what maybe what the future holds for you or what your short-term goals are perhaps
1: so i, I got the opportunity to run and manage a f45 studio which is like a hit class 45 yeah, functional, functional functional 45, australian, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah yeah big australian brand it's like the fastest growing fitness franchise in the world so I James did. Haskell. <laughs> That's it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, who else have you got? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yep. Big, big celebrity, very expensive yep. gyms, right?
1: And um, I was lucky enough to, you know, travel the world with them and go over to, like, Hollywood and go to Abu Dhabi and stuff and train with those guys over there. And it's a real, like, family feel. And I love that element of it because it's very much like the cheerleading world. You can literally rock up to any of them and it's like being in your living room again. So... So I did that for a good good couple of years and um, during that I've also been doing um, the retreats. I've done UK ones and was planning to do ones abroad. <laughs>
0: and what do they entail?
1: Um, so they entail like a week away where we have a yoga instructor, a private chef, um there'll be a mixture of classes like boxer size. Um, I used to do uh, nine rounds classes as well as a fitness instructor. You know, hit classes, workshops, but also a massive wellness element because I think the culmination of everything that I've learned over this time is not just about, you know, I love the posing classes because of the confidence I could bring out in my athletes. You know, these people had the most amazing physiques, but they, it didn't show, you know, until you were able to tweak them a little bit, and then they just blossomed after that. And, you know, to be able to do workshops with people who you know, can build up their self-confidence or team-building exercises, um, it's all sort of come under this umbrella now and I'm really interested in naturopathy as well which is um, a course I want to take which would work a little bit in the opposite of what you do but um, with naturopathy you look at like the problem so someone's got like pain or something like that you look at the root cause of it and you try to treat that and sometimes it can be mental so it might not be like a pill that you prescribe but it will be um, you know therapy things like that so good god this is another
0: another, massive alleyway to go down yeah um
1: (laughs) so that is kind of like what i've been working on i'm working with this wicked dj called jaylee and you should go check her out as well and we're going to be doing um this uh, app called insight and it's what i've been using the whole way through lockdown to do meditations so i run this company called um i've got my own uh, franchise of it i could say called Arbonne, and it's all wellness products through vegan, gluten-free, and all balanced and healthy. Um, and we do these things called Zen Dens, where we do meditation, and I've been doing the meditation workshops for the girls during that, and they're like, Charlotte, I could just listen to your voice all night. You know, <laughs> So I was like, okay, you know, why don't we actually put this into some structure and create a course. So I'm working with this Wicked DJ, and we're just going to create these absolutely amazing soundtracks to... Basically boost people's confidence, boost people's vibe and energy and give them a good time, you know, when they're having a bad time Hmm. and then use all the things that I've learnt through all the different aspects and things that I've done um, to put it all together to make people feel good.
0: Hmm, okay. Um, Right, right, so yeah, so I think, so we're getting towards the end of the, uh, hopefully it's episode one of the podcast, (laughs) Um, I said there's so many Things we could talk about here, and we could talk for hours and hours about um, the use of medication, whether we're using too much, whether you know medication in sport, drugs in sport. There's so many avenues we can go down on that uh, conversation. Um, so, I mean, there's a few things I want to talk about to finish. I mean, the first of which is, I and mean, this can be quite a common theme running through hopefully this series of podcasts, is I got this model in my own head about if you can have uh, like a Venn diagram. So you've got two intersecting circles Mm -hmm. one of which is about health and the other which is about fitness Mm -hmm. and i've got this belief that so many people think that those two circles have this massive bisecting area so you've Mm -hmm. got um almost like the bit the bit that overlaps is massive compared to the rest and i think that's a massive myth i think there are people who achieve both fitness and health yeah um but i think a lot of people achieve one or the other so you look at athletes so you look at yourself and you're in that bodybuilding world you speak about how like your renal function was massively damaged you had massively high creatine you had illness um i i wouldn't describe you in that state as being like the pinnacle of your health no um however many people from the outside look at you and obviously you're clearly in a very good level of fitness not necessarily cardiovascular fitness which again is a bit of another area of debate but a good level of fitness um but not good health and you look at a lot of these uh, tv stars you look at you know you talk about christian bale and matthew mcconaughey and athletes who or uh, actors who achieve great athletic things in terms of weight loss etc um a lot of them are considered healthy and and fit etc but often they're only achieving one or the other Mm. equally you look at people who are on you know these very strict um sort of health food diets and they do all this amazing you know, yoga and all that stuff and they achieve great things in health yeah. but maybe not in fitness and i think it's very hard to achieve both so with that model in mind if you can picture that because i haven't actually got a physical picture just imagine that in your head um and we look at those three stages of your life so um so sort of the earlier life your gymnastics career then the second part is bodybuilding career and then the third part which is your current life um post bodybuilding post sort of semi-professional and competitive sport mm. which of those categories would you say you were sorry which of those stages would you say you were the most healthy when would you say you were the most uh, sort of fit or you're in the best physical shape um where would you say you fit into each one and coupled with that where would you say you were the most happy
1: hmm. i mean i was super happy when i was doing cheerleading like couldn't have got any happier. Um, but I definitely was not fit. I mean, I was at uni, so there was a lot of drinking involved. Um, <laughs> but I could, you know, throw a girl up, 70kg girl, and carry on dancing and, you know, get on with the rest of the show. But when it came to my fitness, I probably was my fittest when I was bodybuilding. Um, but I wasn't my healthiest. I was probably my least... towards the end I was definitely not my healthiest Um, and it was probably maybe a year or two years after competing when my kidney started to go back to, that was a big one, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and another, Um, probably when I was two years post-competing that was probably my healthiest, happiest and fittest um, just before my surgeries, I'd say.
0: Whereas and would someone from the outside looking in, would they would they agree? Do you think they think that's the healthiest, happiest, fittest time? which you think they might have thought actually? I thought she was fitter before. Or, I thought she was healthier before. Or, how, do you reckon? Um, do you reckon your perception of yourself be different from other people's? So definitely. I think we all.
1: I think we all have like a, a under, under attack. It if no. firework <laughs> I think we all have like yeah, a an ego and an idea and of what people think. You know, um, but a lot of people have no idea what's going on in someone's life. Like you can look at an Instagrammer, and you can think they are living their best life, and they're absolutely mental health wise the most miserable issue. people, are so unhappy in themselves. You know. Um, so I don't I don't think you can really like like comparison is a death of joy and all of those sorts of things. So I would have to say it does it you know, someone might look at me as a um actually the most common thing I get is that I didn't look as healthy when I was competing. So they were right. You know, people mm. always say, Oh, I like you now, you know. Um you know, I like you more now the way you are now. Um but I would have to say just after, mm. for myself. And, and I, I suppose I mean that that. That, that's,
0: that must be a good thing, because I think the where you are now is probably where you want to maybe encourage young people to aim for, a place where you're at a good level of health and a, a good all-round level of fitness, perhaps, as opposed to. I mean, obviously, you, you achieve great things in the fitness industry, but would you necessarily? Encourage everyone to be forced down that line of wanting to be super lean and super. I mean, there's benefits to it as a sport, but as a we've got open from this can of worms, aren't we already? But <laughs> it is, I think I'd say I agree that now you're probably at your best all-round self. Oh, uh, I, I think, think that's, that's very
1: nice. Me. I don't I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm I'm like 10 kilos heavier than my you know fittest it's self, and I probably think you know like. Health-wise, um, you know, I think if my my surgeries and everything else, then mental health-wise would be better. So, you know, like body image and all those things, I think, yeah, would be would be different. So it's interesting that you would say that, because um, mm.
0: yeah, I, can I would, see. I, would I can see your uh, your mind working things through. Like your you processing <laughs> that? A little bit yeah. Like. Okay, well, um, so there's one thing which I sort of put a pin in earlier on, which I wanted to come back and talk about. And then I just want to ask some advice for myself, and then I'm going to finish off by opening the floor up to you, just, mm-hmm. to, just to finish. But um, So I I often think about your achievements, you being someone who finds a dead end in the road, and then your first thought is, right, how can I find a new path? Mm. Rather than go back to the start and start again, you just find a new path and you carry on going so you said you are chi- achieved- you achieving in cheerleading that didn't work. you achieved in bodybuilding didn't work um well, it went but it wasn't complete, and then you've you've excelled in uh the fitness coaching and posing coaching and everything you 've done since um When it comes to my injury, they haven 't been absolute in the sense so, so we talk about my hip injury um i said i've spoke about this already in this sort of introduction podcast. But my hip injury has been going on now for sort of three to four years. Um, and the overall opinion from doctors and physios, et cetera, has been, you can carry on playing, it will hurt, it will hamper your performance. But no one has turned around to me and said, Curtis, you can't play hockey again, or you can't play rugby again, or you've got to stop exercising. So it's not have to mean, I think I'm not the person, I'm not brave enough to be the person to go, right. I'm going to give up on something I love. I'm going to move on. Uh, whereas in your case, for example, with the cheerleading, you had you were told quite clearly by an expert you can't do cheerleading anymore. Therefore, it doesn't matter whether you're the most positive person in the world or not, which I, which I think I think you believe you might be. Um, <laughs> you were forced to find a new path, regardless. Whereas I've always been in that position where I've had the option to do. I carry on playing. Do I play knowing full well that I'm probably going to be able to compete at sixty percent of my ability, I'm gonna be in pain every day, etc. And I've I still chose to carry on because I'm not brave enough to go right, let's start again. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a path and excel in swimming or I'm gonna get into long distance running or I'm going to take up a sport where people judge me. Yeah. I like not know boxing or bodybuilding <laughs> or, boxing or bodybuilding or anything like this. Um so do you, do you think you'd have made the same decision that you made if the doctor said to you, Charlotte, you've got a 50% chance um, of chilling at a high level again or saying you can carry on chilling but you, your back will hurt in the mornings, you'll have to struggle through it. Do you still think you'd have gone, right, I'm leaving it there, I'm moving on? Or do you think you'd have done what I've been doing, which is that sort of continuous struggle and ups and downs and, and so on?
1: I think um, as as humans we rarely fulfil our true potential and I felt like, for me, if I can't fulfil my true potential in cheerleading because I would be, maybe I could do it, maybe I couldn't and like I said before, with cheerleading I, I would affect the rest of my team by my weakness. You're only as strong as your weakest link in cheerleading and I didn't want to be that weakest link i didn't want to hurt somebody or you know let the team down so i decided it would be quite selfish of me to continue um, from doing that um so for me i and you know i think good bad all the things that have happened into my happened in my life have always led to good things even the worst times um so i would have to i'd have to say yeah i would i would still do you know the same decisions that i made and I would still try it. And I would have to say, there's no harm in trying. And my, my like motto or ethos in life always is always, you can always come back. That's what Me I've too, learned. Yeah. Like, if you gave up hockey tomorrow and started doing swimming and focusing all your attention on swimming, hockey would still be there and you'd still be where you were before. You might even be better because you've been doing lots of cardiovascular exercise. Or you might say, right, I'm going to start doing powerlifting because I'm actually really strong and you know you start doing British champions and stuff like that you can come back to hockey and you've just got you know more more intimidating because everyone knows how much you can bench (laughs) but also you're you know you actually might be stronger on the pitch or faster or you've given yourself time to heal and the one thing i would say to you is is listen to your body because i wish i had sooner because maybe i would have competed in that jiu-jitsu competition in copenhagen you know had i taken a bit of a break and then maybe i would be doing that but all my roads have led to you know good things and a jamaican saying is like there are no problems just solutions and i think that's very true
0: it is very true and uh yeah, that's, that's giving me something to think about so uh, thank you for that um mm-hmm. so just to finish then uh Actually, before I open up to you, I want to do a little, just a little bit of word association. Because <laughs> uh, <Like, laughs> I think I would be quite interested to see perhaps some stuff you spoke about so far. Just a little bit about maybe what makes you tick from a, a sports point of view. Okay. Okay, so just going to do a few of these quickly.
1: Okay. Um, the first thing that comes into your mind, okay? Oh dear. Sports. Fun. Fitness. Exercise.
0: Bikini. Athletes, weights, mm. problems, injury, pain, COVID. We're <laughs> not going to talk about COVID.
1: Pajamas, good times, <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> lockdown. Ugh. Yeah, down on the roller coaster. Oh,
0: that's annoying. I was hoping you were going to say opportunity because that'd be a nice way to finish. Uh, I can't really get down there. Sorry. Should we record? I'll go. there. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Woohoo! Up on the roller coaster. <laughs> uh, wasn't quite busy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, right. So just to finish, then, um, and I think I've said just to finish several times now, but this is genuinely to finish. Um, I want to open the floor up to any other business. Is there anything you want to talk about from uh, from your life, from the world as a whole, from your experiences in sport? outside of sport, anything you want to talk about?
1: Well, um, just that if anyone has experienced any of the things that I might have touched upon or curious about, you know, whether it's starting up a business or doing cheerleading or competing or anything, um, to get in touch and to, you know, give me a little follow on CC Fraser Fit and Instagram and just drop me a little DM, um, because I think, you know, there's, this is a time for people to connect um, and to share their experiences. Um, I, mean, if no,
0: I I think can that's help really good. That, then I would love to help. I think, um, so you just ooze positivity, um, <laughs> and said so you won't hear this on the podcast necessarily, but you've had a smile on your face for most of this podcast, and that is infectious, and it's uh, you know, something you can do more of, um, just in society, just smiling more and being happy and complimenting people, and... Uh, I think, yeah, I really would recommend anyone out there to really reach out and talk to Charlotte because she, she has got so much experience and you're going to enjoy it regardless of whether she tells you complete nonsense or not. You're going to enjoy <laughs> the experience. I really would recommend that. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, so I'm really hoping we're going to have more podcasts featuring Charlotte, um, whether that be talking about uh, s- some more fun issues, or talking about the more serious issues that might be facing certain sports. Um it might be more about, uh, God, what, what, what else can we talk about? We, haven't, we, haven't, we didn't speak about jujitsu. Yeah. That, that was also left on the back burner for later we can talk on. We talk about steroids in the industry. We can talk about, um, so I really want to get in, as these podcasts go forward, I really mean, want to talk about uh, nutrition and various, um, let's call them different ways of preparing for sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, cryotherapy and... That's fun. What else is obscure out there? uh Performance enhancing drugs, which I wouldn't recommend. Uh, homeopathy, anything you can think of, cupping, for example, anything. We're going to yeah, get into more spiping. detail. And I think if we want someone to talk about the inside of the industry, I don't know anyone better perhaps than you to really get into get your teeth into that subject. So hopefully there'll be more to come from you, um, and regardless, there'll be more to come from some other guests we're going to have on, and. Uh, All I can do is say thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really fun. And I hope I haven't put anyone off exercising.
0: (laughs) Wow, how good was Charlotte? Once again, I couldn't think of a better guest to use for this first episode. She just seemed to ooze positivity as well as providing really interesting insights into her life as an athlete, her life following and her injuries and everything that's been involved in that. I think it's inevitable when you talk to someone with the experiences she has that your mind just starts to wander and you get so many different topics you could talk about. We could explore her experiences of that health and fitness industry and the bikini modeling industry so much more. We could talk more about uh, modeling and uh, sort of the way she's managed to make a, a, a mini sort of semi-professional career out of her fitness, as opposed to just purely being a an amateur exploration. Um, but I really want to commend her and thank her for her bravery in the way she approached the interview. We didn't really discuss before the interview whether we were going to go into depths about her illness, um, and she was very open to talk about that. And as far as I'm aware, this is the first time she's really discussed this in a in an interview. So I'm really grateful for that. But looking ahead to future weeks, we're going to have a series of guests on from a variety of different backgrounds. The problem is because of uh, this sort of COVID and this, this latest lockdown, it's going to be interesting to see who we can get on and when and whether we can stick to the plan we had arranged. But we are hoping to speak to a physio. Um, someone who's very experienced in injury recovery and then we're also going to, hope to hopefully speak to someone involved in education of sort of young athletes and then someone who's had a short-lived career as a or is a short-lived career on the journey to become a professional sportsman um, who's had that journey cut short and has found a whole new career and a new way of exploring you. and finally please check out the show notes for this podcast there's more details about um, how you can get in contact with me as well as Charlotte. So, Charlotte's Instagram is there, CC Fraser Fit. You can contact me at Mansfield Curtis on Instagram. Um, and there's also now a dedicated Instagram for this podcast, which is hips underscore and underscore dips with a Z. Um, and all that leaves it for me to say thank you very much for joining me and stay safe.